Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong. I'm Rob Tanner. This is the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. Joining me today is James the Sharp End. Uh, Sharp, and we're going to be dissecting what has been an eventful and difficult few days mm. for Leicester City. Before we get underway, though, I'd just like to remind you to head over to beer52.com. Uh, they're giving away free beer to Leicester City fans and readers of the Mercury. If you want to log on there and register and use the tagline Leicester, and you could be enjoying eight beers from around the world. And all you got to do is pay the postings of packing. Now, yes. over to Leicester City. Um, the last time we did a poddy was on Thursday after the press had changed. Yeah. We did it down the King Power uh, Stadium. Yeah. And it was a very different scenario to what uh, unfolded over the previous days. We were told at that press conference by Claude Puel that... Uh, there was uh, no sign of when Mares was coming back in that no. game. No indication of when Mares was coming back. He appealed for him to come back, and he said he was unavailable for the trip to Man City. Seven yeah. o'clock the next morning, it all changed. Yes, he goes from being unavailable and absent to being there and available. Um, a bit of a surprise for us, and uh, I think a lot of people to see him back. No one was expecting it, um, but. As soon as he comes back and available, he's back in the yeah. back in the side. I mean, Paul did said there was no hard feelings and he would be welcomed back into the fold. And uh, I think he went down the training ground on on Friday morning. I think it's very much on his own terms. He decided when he was going back. I don't think the club knew uh, until that morning that he was uh, heading back. It did create a bit of a media scrum around the uh, <laughs> Beaver Drive, didn't it? With some yeah. cameras poking over fences and what have you. Uh, and I un- we understand as well from uh, what um, Danny Simpson said that the players had a meeting with Mares, what was discussed in there obviously will stay within the four walls of their dressing room, meeting room, um, but I would imagine it would have been along the lines of, right, you're back now, are you focused, we want to know if you're committed, and we want to know what's going on, and uh, I think uh, we saw from some of the footage that the um, majority of the lads seemed pretty happy to have him back. Yeah, it looked that way, Mares, obviously we, only, we saw the, the footage, Mares looked a little on the sheepish side that you might you, that's to be expected isn't yeah. it after what everything that went on um, some players looked a bit happier than others um, in the footage and you can imagine in the in the meeting they had there are some big strong characters in that dressing room the likes of Wes Casper Vards they would you would expect those type of players to have their say and if they had any issues with Riyadh to air them then but they are the kind of group where once those issues are dealt with, they can put them to bed and yeah. then move on. And they moved on. They certainly had to move on quickly as well because they had uh, the toughest challenge they could possibly face the next day yeah. away. The runaway league leaders, the champions uh, in waiting, Manchester City at the Etihad. And I can't imagine the uh, with Mahrez coming back on that day when they were doing their final preparation for the game that it would have helped. Now, I spoke to Harry Maguire after the Man City game and he said like, there was no issue. They'd done their preparation all week. But we now know they were working on a different formation. They were certainly working on a different defensive system at set pieces as well because they mm. went zonal instead of man marking, which and I can understand why they've changed because they've conceded so many goals from set pieces. But having Mares there and all the cameras and everything probably didn't help that final day's preparation. No, probably not. I mean, 
you'd imagine that they would hope to spend the last day before a game working on your final bits and pieces that you've worked on all week, have any kind of last tactical meetings, but instead those meetings weren't tactical, they were meetings of reintegration, which the players can all say that it's not a distraction and they're, they're professional footballers so they can put that to one side and focus on the game. But it had to have been distracting, seeing cameras poking up here, here, there and everywhere, Mara's coming back and you're not expecting him back, having meetings that aren't that are to do with him and not the game, of course it's going to be a distraction and as much as they say it isn't, it, it, of course it's going to play a part. It's only, they're only human. Of course um, it's, you know, it's bound to affect them. Uh, but I suppose we were going to wait till the next day to see how much it, or whether it had affected them and uh, we didn't have to wait too long, did we? Manchester uh, evening kick-off. Mares was on the bench. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, it was interesting, really, because as soon as we knew he was back and what we assumed was available for selection, we ran a poll on our website with whether he should play, whether he should not. And the results were quite split. We'd got early doors, there was like 50% saying he shouldn't play at all, and then half and half split between he should start or he should be on the bench. That then moved to later in the day to more people thinking that he should play than he shouldn't. What we could glean from that was that the fans did seem a little bit unsure as to what they wanted from, from the situation. But once we got to the game and once Morris eventually came onto the pitch, the fans were were supportive of him. Well, I couldn't really hear much of the Leicester fans' reaction to his introduction in the second half because the Man City fans around the press bench were all cheering him as well. That, yeah, I mean, whether that was legitimate or whether that was more tongue-in-cheek cheering for a player that they knew would rather be, or assumed would rather be at their club than the club he was playing for. I think it's safe to assume that, yeah. Yeah, I think um, whether there's a little bit of, of jollity in those cheers, probably there was a little bit, but... There were no known audible boos or anything from the Leicester fans. They were all positive um, to welcome him back. And why not? They needed him, didn't they? Well, Pearl said after the game that um, Mara's uh, made a mistake, mm. but now it's time to move on and uh, get on with the, the get on hopefully with business. Hopefully, a quieter week. This yeah, week. hopefully a quieter week after the uh, shenanigans of the last ten days or twelve days uh, with uh, Mara's going AWOL, but. Uh, they're quick to draw a line under it, weren't they, Puel and the players? They just want to move on now. Yeah, they were. I mean, I, I felt a little bit for, for Puel over the past week because he's been asked about Mares all through the January transfer window, and especially so in this week that's just gone. In the press conference before the game, it was it was all getting quite tense. Journalists asking questions that they weren't getting answers to. Puel fielding questions he didn't really want to field and not being able to give any sort of information no. did, well, I don't think he had any information to give to be quite honest exactly so it was a frustrating all round and it's funny because in the um, in the press conference after the game with the written journalist he was all, he was asked again well Morris is here now do you think he can stay beyond the summer and, and Paul just kind of rolled his eyes and went can you please give me I've, I've just been through this this transfer window it's been difficult can you please give me some time to not think about it before we have to go through it all over again and hopefully we'll get that time well we'll move on from Maris to the actual game because yeah. if that had been a difficult few days for Puel then he had a really tough 90 minutes watching his side I um, mean it wasn't too, too bad I know they had a terrible start conceding yeah. after just three minutes but the rest of that half Vardy scores another cracking goal I mean if that was the best assist he got in the whole game from Otamendi wasn't it um, he got an assist from Man City's yeah. defender uh, scored a, a great goal 1-1 half time although City had 
weathered a lot of, uh, of pressure and uh, the, the storm of Man City pouring forwards. They didn't really get opened up too yeah, many times. You, you look in that you look in that first half, and yeah, the early goal is is a killer. But try and forget that aside. Man City dominated the ball as you'd expect them to do and looked dangerous. But you wouldn't say they really created anything clear cut in that first half, despite all the possession they had. Casper had a couple of saves to make. Yeah, but, but they were all kind of like edge of the area yeah. stuff that you would expect him to to gobble up. Um, so it, it looked okay, and I think that, that that five at the back, three at the back, however you wanted to help it, they picked it up on match of the day, how it cut off any kind of space down the sides for, for the likes of De Bruyne to, to exploit. No, he was he was excellent. Well, I did notice in the, in the first half, he started off very central, De Bruyne, but very quickly he must have identified an issue behind Mark Albrighton, because he was playing pretty much on the left wing. De Bruyne out there, and he was getting quite a lot of joy, wasn't it? And he he was magnificent with his passing, wasn't he? Yeah, it, 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 the, the way he passed the ball, the weight of it. I mean, look at the second goal where he passed it so that it somehow that Harry couldn't get there, but a bloke who was one yard to his right could get there. It was just so pinpoint, so so be- brilliant and beautiful to watch. But like I was saying, the first half, it, Leicester were outplayed, but they weren't. Oh, they didn't create too many chances but in the second half with that change when Poirot went to four at the back although we understand he changed that midway for the first half yeah he did half, we didn't, didn't have to, to be fair we, most people noticed at the start of the second half probably because they, they because scored Danny Simpson come on an actual recognised right back exactly yeah. so the personnel matched the system then didn't it but it, as soon as with that system Man City found it a lot easier to open Leicester up down the sides and they exploited it and they made Leicester pay and then Man City are dangerous enough on their own as it is but if you then gift them chances that Leicester did they will kill you well that's it at half time we weren't expecting the uh, second half siege that that, uh, that certainly followed and it's fair to say Leicester City were the architects of their own yeah. downfall in the second half with some horrendous individual errors and poor defending and uh, Sergio Aguero just mopped up didn't he with his quality of his finishing yeah I mean, of all strikers that you don't want to pass the ball straight to in the penalty area, Aguero is probably top of Especially that Especially when list. you're a goalkeeper. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it wasn't just Schmeichel that, that made individual errors. A lot of the, the, the defence did. And as we've just said, of all the teams that are going to punish you for making those errors, it's Man City. You have to be at the top of your game to stop them beating you. They were on Man City were on their game. Leicester weren't in that second half. And if you give them chances like that, they're going to they're going to destroy you, and they did. Well, it was a, a difficult few days, and uh, Pure got absolutely soaked in the Etihad as well. I mean, Manchester's renowned for rain, but not rain like that. Yeah, that the gilet didn't keep it out. No, did it? exactly. So he's got to uh, dry off his gilet this week um, because it's FA Cup week now, yeah. and uh, we're looking ahead. It's uh, I really feel like he's got a great opportunity to have a really good cup experience this year, and I know the Leicester fans would love to see club collect the FA Cup the first time ever in the club's history it's uh, that trophy that's always uh, uh, eluded the club but uh, they've got a great opportunity yeah, they have I mean this I mean, the, the draw that's just gone I mean I was really nervous by it I mean, it's, it's, it's become a big thing now that Leicester have got a chance at this and I was getting really nervous before the draw I started looking at how what the chances were for them not to get one of the big clubs and the point I was colour coding the opposition thinking, yeah, that, that's green. I'm that, happy with that. That's an orange fixture. I wouldn't mind it. They're red. No, this feels like it's a, a real chance for Leicester. Uh, Sheffield United. They've already beaten them once this season in the, in the Carabao Cup. Get through this you're into the quarterfinals, then and you 
one win away from a Wembley semi-final and there's a real opportunity here and there's still unfortunately all the big clubs didn't draw each other so there's the high chance that they're going to still be in the competition um, but and we're going to get to it in a minute but there's a real opportunity here and depending on what team he picks and how he focuses on it uh, yeah, I'm really up for this one. Well, he made 10 changes for the last FA Cup uh, clash at Peterborough. Mm. And he got heavily criticised for it before the game. Um, but he was totally and utterly vindicated, yep. wasn't he? And uh, With a 5-1 uh, victory in Diabate and Nacho both getting mm. uh, a couple of goals. Now, what approach does he take to Sheffield United? Does he go with that same side or does he bring back all the big guns? Mares hasn't played, started a game now, obviously, by his own, by his own choice yeah. uh, for a couple of weeks. So, Mares could start... Um, Vardy is on, on a hot streak four consecutive um, games in the Premier League he's scored now. yeah that's the longest we'll talk, streak we'll talk about Vardy uh, individually in a, in a second but um, you know does he f- go with the, his main striker I mean he hasn't got too many striking options now Slavani, Lijoa and Musa have gone yeah no, we mentioned this last week didn't we that Leicester have gone from having too many strikers to having not enough with Shinji out injured they've now only got Vardy and Iheanacho as two fit out and out strikers it, you imagine he'd definitely play Ian Acho. Whether he plays Vardy or not, not too sure. Um, you'd like to... Uh, I have been an advocate so far of of being on Paul's side when it's come to the team selection and the whole 10 changes. I was quite, I'd quite strongly backed him for those 10 changes and didn't think he'd warranted the criticism that he got. So I've been happy with the, with the team selections. I feel that this now we're getting to the point in the competition where he needs to mix the two I think and look to put out stronger teams not that the other teams weren't strong Morris you'd look would probably start I'd like to see Vardy I'd like to see Vardy start actually I think um, he's in, in good form well they haven't got a midweek game and last time they had Everton in midweek exactly so he, there was a, you could understand him protecting some players or giving them a little break for that but he hasn't got that now no they've got a pretty much a clean run at this now so I think he needs to go with the Vardy and Mahrez and, and, and Vardy really might like Vard, you'd imagine Vardy as a Sheffield well, Wednesday fan would like to have a little pop at Sheffield oh, United I'm sure he'd well. love to wouldn't he he'd yeah. love to have a pop at Sheffield United keep his good run going because he's as say it's the so he, he's playing well I'd like to see him go for this yeah yeah. well um, Sheffield United obviously in the Championship decent side though aren't they They're gonna, yeah. I mean you'd expect Leicester City to, to overcome them but They've uh, been a decent, uh, decent outfit this season. Well organised. It's not going to be easy. No, it's definitely not. Um, I can imagine they'll sit back as well and try and soak up pressure as well. Yeah, we also, they've been through two League One teams now, so this will be this is a, a, a tougher challenge. But you look at it and think you'd rather get the likes of Sheffield United than have to play Man City or have to play Man United. This is a this is a favourable draw for Leicester, especially with it being at home. You would imagine that they should have enough to get past Sheffield United not going to be easy but you, it's a draw you would like well because of all the uh, Riyad Mahrez stuff and all the focus yeah. has been on uh, on Mahrez over the last couple of weeks um, Jamie Vardy's form mm. has sort of gone under the radar a little bit hasn't he but uh, bit. as we've just touched on he's scored four now consecutive games in the Premier League he's, uh, he's in a rich vein of form isn't he's good he? for my fantasy team yeah, yeah brilliant but uh, he's, got, he's setting some records as well isn't he he is yes yeah, so that's what four in a row now um, four consecutive Premier League games which is the longest streak he's had since the record-breaking streak in the title-winning season. So only eight more to go for him to break that. But not only that, so he's now he becomes the first player ever to score against all of the top six 
or the big six as you would call them in a single Premier League season. So Man United, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham. Now people might say, well, the the big well the big top strikers couldn't break that record because they usually play for one of the top six clubs, which is a parent of argument. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. But for a, for a, for a player like Vardy, it just re-establishes the fact that he is well one hugely underrated as a striker. By people outside of Leicester, tend to tar him with a non-league kind of almost like a Tony Pulis-like brush. Like he's he's a bit uncultured and he's a, just he runs a lot when he's not that at all. He's a, a top-class striker, cute, brilliant record, and it also now takes him to twenty-three goals in forty-three appearances against the top six, which is. About what one in about one one every two games. Well, if you compare Above that to that, Romelu yeah. Lukaku, he's got five, five goals in five in forty. Yeah, yeah. which is for a seventy-five million pound striker who plays for a top six club, who you want to you sign a player like him for Manchester United to be able to score goals against your big title rivals. He's not done that. Vardy does that for yes, a former Premier League champion, but a, a, a non-big club, and he does it a time and time again and. We should not forget how how great his striker is. Well, what's impressed me uh, in the recent run is that he's not had that many chances. No. He hasn't had a, a particularly good service all the time, and uh, obviously with Mares being out as well. I mean, he's normally the uh, one of the, the key providers of opportunities for Vardy to score. I mean, and I think it summed it up at Manchester City when he picked up a loose ball, rode a couple of challenges, took on the last um, defender. And put it in the bottom corner. It was a, it was a great goal. Yeah, uh, an individual goal as well. And it, you know, he's not just a, uh, a six-yard box sniffer. You know, he can, yeah. he can do a, a few, a few other things. No, I think as it's well. the, it was either, either the match of the day or the Sky commentator when he scored it said Jamie Vardy like a master of, of, of managing to muster something out out of nothing, which is what he did. I mean, he turns half chances, quarter chances through his just sheer, almost through sheer willpower and tenacity into goal scoring opportunities which he did against Man City and no you're right in saying that he's not like I mean I'm not going to compare the likes of Aguero or whatever but when you're playing for a team like Manchester City you will have the ball put on a plate for you on frequent occasions during a game of football whereas Vardy had one chance against Man City and he took it and again that's that's a fantastic attribute for a striker. Well, it's his attitude as well. I mean, I suppose it's a little bit unfair to do this, but I suppose you inevitably you have to contrast Vardy's attitude yeah. to Mahrez's attitude. Uh, Vardy had the opportunity to go to Arsenal yeah. um, a couple of seasons ago after his tight winning season. Turned it down, wanted to stay at Leicester, wanted to achieve more with Leicester, wanted to cement his status as a, a Leicester City legend in the future. Some bronze statues outside the yeah. ground. Yeah, and contrast that to Mares, who uh, has been stating he wants to leave for the last few windows, and uh, inevitably I think he will leave, but uh, yeah. I, can, I can see Vardy finishing his career. Yeah, I think so as well, and that would be... I would love that. I think. I mean, as a speaking as a fan, Vardy, Vardy just his persona or his kind of personality matches exactly what Leicester's is. The whole foxes never quit over the tunnel, that never say die attitude, and oh, sticking it to the big boys. Vardy just exudes that. That's how, what he's like. He's, he never gives up. He's tenacious. Other strikers, when they don't get as much service as Vardy gets, or goes through an isolate, like when Vardy's so isolated, they could just kind of just shrug the shoulders and say, oh, "There's no point here. I might as well just stand here and wait." Vardy never does that. He never 
never looks petulant, never throws his hands up, always chasing, always running the channels, no matter how desperate the service is. And that is what Leicester City fans want to see from their club because that's what Leicester City is as a club, is a is a is a never quitting, never say dying attitude. And the fact that Vardy's shown such loyalty to Leicester over the years, it just re establishes himself as one of the best strikers the club's ever had. Well, I personally hope he does start against Sheffield United. I think mm. he'll be key to victory. I think with Vardy in the side, I think City have a much better chance of uh, reaching the quarterfinals and uh, getting one step closer to Wembley. Now, join us on the Mercury website and our Facebook page uh, throughout the week with all these build-up stories to the big game on uh, on Saturday against Sheffield United. And we'll have another podcast later in the week after Claude Puel's press conference. So thank you for joining us. Don't forget beer52.com and we'll see you again next time. <laughs>